The Heat mounted a comeback late in the game, but the final outcome was never really in doubt as Miami was outclassed, outshot, and outplayed. A valiant effort without two of their best shooters, but ultimately a loss to the Los Angeles Clippers. We'll break it all down and answer your listener questions before looking into the latest news on 76ers star Joel Embiid on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. Joining me as always, longtime NBA reporter David Rumel. However you're tuning in on YouTube, Odyssey, or your favorite podcast app, thanks so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen Every day, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. That's linkedin.com slash NBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Recording this on a Sunday night after the Heat lost to the Clippers 103 to 95. David, you're there at Kaseya Center. You watched the game there. Uh, I actually thought that the Heat played well enough to win in this game. And I was a little surprised that you mentioned in the cold open that they were outplayed because I didn't, I didn't really see it that way. I just I didn't think they had chances down the stretch. They didn't make shots down the stretch. They missed 21 of their 29 three-pointers in the game. The Clippers shot 41% from three. Uh, but what did you think? It, it sounds like you thought they were outplayed in this one. Well, I, I mean, that's part of it, right? I think when you miss that many shots and when you're lacking that realistic three-point threat and there are a number of shots even at the rim, and I don't think they did a good job of defending the Clippers especially earlier, I mean, late in the game when and during that third quarter stretch when James Harden caught fire and then Kawhi Leonard, you know, caught fire. And I think they they really just, they lacked a certain sense of urgency that I thought this team would have when they were playing pretty evenly alongside them. You know, they were they were lucky. I think at one point I texted you and they said, I said, you know, they're, they're, they should be lucky considering they're only down two when they were, you know, they were being, again, mostly outplayed. And without a realistic three-point threat either. So uh, to me, it just seemed like they had opportunities, but when they don't capitalize them, I think that's indicative of a team that just doesn't play very well when it matters most, at least not right yeah. now during the regular season. They're struggling. That's pretty clear. The two past wins notwithstanding, I think this is a team that still has some glaring weaknesses, and those were kind of exposed against a much more talented Clippers team. There's no doubt that the Clippers are more talented, but that's sure. usually the case for the Clippers every night, whether no matter who they're playing, right? Like that team's awesome. They're the number one three-point shooting team in the league for a reason. They they shoot 39% from three. They shot 41% tonight on 39 attempts. So look, I'm with you on that, but I also just thought that the Heat, they, they were in this game. I thought they had a chance. I thought the urgency was good. I thought the defense was very good considering who they're going up against. Like Kawhi is going to get points. Hornin's that comeback wasn't a legitimate one, though. Like, I mean, the final score, there's they still lost by eight, and they were and they mounted that comeback late in the game, but I don't think it was a realistic one. It felt like a fake comeback more than anything else. Maybe. I mean, they were down 10 with like four minutes to go, but there was that bam steal down to the other end, and and he, he pushes the break, he kicks it out to Josh Richardson, he misses a three. Like that was a chance to get it to single digits with with four minutes left. On the next possession, same thing. Um, you know, Terry Rozier misses another three, another chance to cut it to single day. Like just every time they had a chance, they went two for 10 in the fourth quarter from three point range. They shot 12 of 31 in that quarter. So 38% in the, in the fourth quarter and the Clippers shot 53, 54% in the fourth quarter. And 
credit to the Clippers. Like they they're the better team and the better team won tonight. Like I'm not trying to take credit, any credit away from them. Okay, but yeah. in terms of the the concerns we've had about Miami, right? They've won two in a row, but they've also lost uh, before this one. But they've lost eight of their last ten. And the biggest concern, at least during that seven game losing streak, was they weren't executing on defense. They weren't really playing with urgency on offense. Jimmy Butler wasn't being the guy that they needed for most of that seven game losing streak. And I just I don't think that any of those like things were the reason why Miami lost tonight. I thought defensively they executed well for the most part. Obviously, you're gonna have some glitches here and there, some hiccups. Kawhi's just gonna do Kawhi things. James Harden's are gonna do those guys are gonna break your defense at some point. They're just that good. But defensively, I thought they they they, they executed well. They got to the what they wanted to get to. Offensively, they got the shots that they wanted to get to. I like the fact that they took 33 pointers in this game. Um, you know, the, the mid-range shots, they weren't settling. They were getting like the closer mid-range shots. I got to the rim a whole bunch and Jimmy Butler had 19 shot attempts in the game, which led the team, which I think is a really important stat to follow going forward. I, you know, this is a, a little bit of a role reversal because normally I'm the one that's uh, yeah. a little bit more upbeat on this, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe it was just the, the fact that, you know, they were up 11 early on and the Clippers looked disoriented. It looked like they were a little lost to start the game. They also started they one for the Clippers started one for nine from three point range. Right. They they were really struggling early on and Miami just wasn't able to really put their foot on their throats and kind of continue to build and uh, a lead or anything like that. And they allowed the Clippers to come back in and no, not, I shouldn't say that they just allowed the, the Clippers to come back into the game. The, the Clippers are a good team and they, they staged their own comeback. They played well and they capitalized on some heat miscues, but mm-hmm. I, I think there were some issues there from the heat side of things. Like well, what were the shot. To me, I think offensively, it was a real bog uh, to just find any way of getting clean looks. Um, certainly, the three-point shooting wasn't there either, so that's a huge concern. Yes, they wind up taking a lot of attempts, a lot of those late in the game as well. I didn't check the numbers, but I'd warrant that a lot of those probably came in the fourth quarter, as maybe even as many as half. They were they, At one point, you know, there were like four minutes left in the game. They had scored 80 points. That's like 1990s heat basketball. That's not – I know that Eric Spolstrom might like that, but that's not good enough to beat, as you mentioned, the best three-point shooting team in the NBA with four mm-hmm. Hall of Fame superstars and a good overall cast too. So I, I, I saw this team – yeah, I, I'm sorry? Four Hall of Fame superstars? Kawhi, Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Paul Oh, George. Westbrook. You're right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, kind of the right. continue. There. He yep. struggled yep. a little bit, but still. <laughs> I mean, like, he was Miami's best player. Out I was like, wait, you big Mason Plumley guy? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, again, I, I saw the Heat team, and uh, you wish they would have been able to be a little bit more effective early on and not wait until, you know, they were down 10 with a minute and a half left and say, okay, now we're really going to try. Yeah. And it ultimately kind of like felt like that way, at least to me watching the game in person. That's interesting. You know, that's interesting. Yeah, I think maybe sometimes you get a different vibe seeing yeah. the game in person versus how you see it at home. I know we've experienced that before when you've been covering the game here. But yeah. from my perspective, it just seemed like the, the final outcome was never really all that close. You know, they mounted that comeback. It was nice and fun. And it gave the the few remaining fans left the Caseo Center something to cheer for, but it was really never in doubt. Yeah, it's just really hard when when one team is shooting really well from three point range and and the other team isn't. It's just it's yep. going to be tough to to be in a game like that. We shouldn't have gone this long without mentioning that there was no Duncan Robinson and no Tyler Hero in this game. Tyler Hero is a late scratch because of a migraine, 
Uh, he was expected to play within minutes of this game, but he just couldn't. I saw him shooting it. around. Yeah, yeah. I saw him shooting. I thought he was fine. And then all of a sudden we get an announcement saying he's not going to start. Josh Richardson would start in his place. And then a couple of minutes after that, Tyler's been ruled out completely. Yeah. So he, he just so you're down your two best three-point shooters, but not just your best three-point shooters. I would argue you're only good three-point shooters on the entire team. Everybody else, like Caleb, Josh, like they're streaky. They're probably average. Like I don't think I would qualify any of those guys as like, good three-point shooters or average three-point shooters so you're down your only two good three-point shooters on the roster and the other team over there is the best three-point shooting team in the league so to your point david this game was probably over before it even started when you can when you kind of consider all of those things but i don't know i thought i thought they could have stole this one i thought they could have stolen this one and it would have been a statement win and had they actually come up with this game and if josh richardson hits that three late terry rozier hits a three late if some of the other things break in those last four minutes like you're mentioning how they only had 80 points. Like the Clippers didn't score a whole lot in this game in terms no, of just their sheer production. Like that game was there. It was in the balance. I agree with you that the Clippers out, they like they deserve to win this game, but they could have, Miami could have stolen one at home. And then had they, we would have been talking about a statement win here and a three game win streak and what all of this means. But I'm taking like, a, I'm zooming out on the, like the bigger picture here. And the concerns I had during the seven game losing streak, I just, I didn't see it in the two, the two wins. And I didn't really have those concerns in this game tonight. I just thought the team that was visiting Kaseya Center was flatly the better team, and they lost to the better team. Sometimes that just happens. Um, are the Heat? Are, are should we be more concerned about Jaime's recent struggles or mm. Bam's recent struggles? And can the Heat win consistently if those two aren't performing to their earlier standards? We'll talk about that next here on Lockdown Heat. Today's episode is brought to you by Better Help. Better Help. Look. So much of what's going on nowadays, you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to follow new patterns, perhaps. You're trying to create good habits. Well, it's really easy. I know a lot of people come off the new year and they want to be able to do something, you know, just to to kind of kickstart their lives. But none of it really feels tangible or long lasting. And maybe you might need help with that. Well, if that's the case, you might want to try therapy because therapy is a good opportunity for you to not just get these things started, but also to continue to build long lasting good habits that will make you feel better. So if that's the case and you want to try therapy, then give BetterHelp a chance. It's so convenient. Just take a a test online. You find the right therapist to match up with, and then you can pick and choose whoever you want to work with at your convenience, at your schedule. If you need to replace that therapist for any other reason, you can do so easily and quickly via BetterHelp. Again, it's Therapy can be different for everybody. Most of us have big, bigger problems than our favorite sports teams, and it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockdownNBA. You get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockdownNBA. Today's episode is also brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat in the house, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. It's so much fun to watch the game. I know so many people are looking forward to it around the country and around the world. So this is a good time for you to capitalize on that and maybe place a nice little bet and make yourself a little money. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today and you get $200 in bonus bets with your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. 
Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Every day we'll be joined by NBA insider Matt Moore for Tuesday morning's episode, breaking down what else the Miami Heat could do before the trade deadline. Do they have to make a move? And if they do, what kind of moves are we talking about? We'll talk about all of that with our friend Matt on Tuesday. Locked On has also launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. We'll talk about Joel Embiid's injury and that Im- and how it can impact the Miami Heat and the Eastern Conference as a whole. Big news coming out of Philadelphia. But before we get to that, we're going to get to our listener questions a little bit earlier than we usually do in our post-game shows. We're going to do it right now. As always, thanks to everybody who sent in questions using that hashtag AskLOHeat. You can find us on uh, you can you can email us lockedonheat at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at lockedonheat. Our first question comes from Narayanan, who writes in, What's wrong with Jaime? Is it an injury? Is it the rookie wall? Did the league figure him out? Is it the system? Is it the rotation? David, what do you think? What's going on with Jaime Hakas Jr.? I don't think it's uh, the league figuring them out. And I think there's a little bit lingering issue with the injury. And I think it's also not necessarily the rookie wall, but I think he's played a lot of minutes. He's played a lot of games for this heat team. And he's been asked to do a lot in those minutes. And he was doing great. He was thriving in that capacity until the time he got hurt. Uh, today, I, I saw a, a much more lackluster version of him, at least early on. But at one point, then he knocks down a big time three in order to help Miami, I think, get a lead back after they had let their previous lead slip away. And he kind of see the, the return to form. He does another spin move in an ensuing possession down the lane. He gets a little spin on somebody. I can't recall exactly who it was. I think it might have been Trey Mann. Gets a layup at the rim. And you could see him kind of play with a little bit more pep and step. Mm. But early on, he was really struggling. He was defensively, he was really bad. I will go so far as to say that he was completely lost on defense, wasn't playing with a lot of effort, having a hard time matching up with the physicality of a guy like James Harden or Kawhi Leonard. And he looked like he was struggling. So I think it's just a balance of both. I I think the all-star break is going to be very beneficial for him, although he's going to be going to Indianapolis. I think he could absolutely use the break just to get better, to kind of recharge those batteries because it's a long season. And I think he'll eventually be fine. Maybe I'm just being optimistic, but that's just the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, he's going to go to Indianapolis to, you know, shake babies and kiss hands. Right. And so that that's, it's not as bad as playing regular season basketball. I realize I did that I, I, on purpose. Yeah. yeah uh, I hope not. Cause he's probably going to wind up in Indianapolis jail. Indianapolis jail in prison somewhere. Shaking babies and kissing hands. Shaking baby. Um, since he's come back from the groin injury, it's not been good. Uh, before even tonight, he was shooting 32% overall. Uh, he was tonight three of 11. So even worse. So that percentage is going to come down. It hasn't been the same. I don't know if it's it, it might just be lingering inf- uh, uh, effects of the, the groin injury sure. that, that was bothering him. He has not been what he's been for most of the year. Before missing those games of the injury, he was averaging 14 points a game on over 50% shooting. So this is precipitously different than where he was before. So to your point, let's see what happens. Maybe it is a little bit of the rookie wall. He's already played an entire college season, right? Like this is yeah. way more games than he ever played in a single season. That's expected. This is this is what happens to rookies. They call it the rookie wall for a reason, and it does exist. And I think Jaime has hit it, and I think his groin has hit it too. And I think he just needs to he needs the all star break, and hopefully he can get a little bit refreshed. And by the way, with with people healthy, with Caleb Martin healthy, with 
with all those wings healthy now, maybe you can't afford to play him a fewer minutes, right? I know yeah. we, people were asking why wasn't he playing more in the fourth quarter. You gotta get this guy a break, right? And um, and I thought the I thought the five guys on the floor were doing a good job too in this yes. game. So, Tooties uh, writes in: Is it finally time to get bigger? I imagine that this is a reference to Thursday's tread deadline. Do the Heat need to make a move to get some size? Um, it's an interesting question, big picture. But before we go big picture, little picture. Did you watch this game? I, I guess I'm just curious about why we got this question for this game. Did you watch this game and think that the the Heat were lacking size against the Clippers? Was that an issue uh, in your opinion? They were out rebounded, but no, I, that's not the way I saw it. I thought it was more of an, uh, just a lack of shooting, really, more than anything only out rebounded by four, so like barely. Yes, yeah. So I, I I don't think that was the biggest problem. I mean, Zubac returned to the lineup tonight mm-hmm. after having an injury, and he looked a little shaky. He picked up two early fouls. Yeah, and Mason Plumley got some minutes too. He was okay, but neither of them really super impactful in their minutes. I don't think that was the problem. There have been plenty of games that have exposed mm. Miami's lack of size. I don't think tonight was one of them. I think it was more about maybe just – it would be great to have another big out there that you could stretch the floor, but I don't think that's what was necessary. You know, it, it, it is sort of – it's sort of funny when when things – I hate I hate when analysis kind of comes down to, well, make or miss. But when one team shoots the way that the Clippers shot and the other one shoots the way that the Heat shot, and it is sort of funny how fans will find other things to like, oh, we're just we're missing some size. Like you just said, it might have been nice to have a player who could stretch the floor, like a big man who could stretch the floor. Yeah, sure. Like big picture, that would be nice for the Heat. Like another one. Always great. But but like the key part there is stretch the floor, like just more people to shoot threes and make them. Right. right? And so I thought that's just what the Heat missed tonight. I do like the idea of them maybe getting bigger to go now to the big picture part of it. I would, if I were the Heat, explore some options there. They obviously don't trust Thomas Bryant or Orlando Robinson for real minutes. I don't know where the rotation spot is. I don't know that you could just go acquire like a legit seven-footer and just be like, yeah, we know exactly where we're going to play this guy now because your Bam's going to get a bunch of minutes. Kevin Love's getting a bunch of minutes. We know Eric Spolster's going to want to go small for portions of the game with Haywood. They're already starting Haywood Highsmith at the four. He likes going with Caleb at that spot to close the halves also. So just because you add the size doesn't necessarily mean that that size is going to get any time. Like that player has to be legitimately good enough to crack your top eight of the rotation. And I don't, I'm not saying that that guy's not out there, but I don't know who it is in other words. Yeah, and, and how I, you kind of reshape the team. That's like, that's a drastic sort of sea change of style too, of right. what this team would do. If you suddenly went out and got like a Brooke Lopez type and just dropped mm-hmm. him into the Miami heat, for instance, like I'm not, I don't think Brook Lopez is available, but you know, I'm just trying to make a point. Like if you just no, drop no. Brook Lopez onto the Heat, like they're already dealing with trying to incorporate Terry Rozier, and that was a major sea change based on what they were getting from the position before. So I don't, I don't know if that's what you want to be doing midseason either. I mean, seven footers that can shoot forty percent from three don't just exist anywhere. Sure. Otherwise, they would probably be getting highly paid by their respective teams. They just wouldn't be available to Miami. So I, I don't think it's a realistic option. But maybe another, you know, I mean, again, even if it's just a bruising center. Somebody that might be a little bit more effective, like like Thomas Bryant's supposed to be that guy. Like that's mm. that was the role he was supposed to play. What about like an Andre Drummond, a guy who you know is just going to be able to get rebounds? Yeah, but it's a nice idea. But at the same time, I could just see him being completely outplayed and not not getting any minutes in the rotation right. once the playoffs start. Yeah, it's sort of like what I was talking about before. Like, where are you going to put him? Where are you playing him? What are the lineups? It's again, not saying no, but I, I do wonder. I like the idea of getting bigger, but maybe in the off season. I think maybe that's more of an off-season topic. Um, Kay writes in, when will we all collectively realize that Jimmy Butler scoring at an elite level for a long stretch shaped everybody's role on the team to perform at their best in their roles? When do you mean when? We all knew this. 
This is what I've been screaming on this podcast for two weeks now. Jimmy Butler has to play like a superstar for this team to play its best. It puts Tyler Hero in his right place, even though he didn't play tonight. It puts Bam in his right place where he could just be a 20 and 10 guy and exist that way. And it's fine. It's fine. I, I don't think that we're like, I think we were all, we were, we were all on that same page. It was just a matter of Jimmy kind of playing that way. Right. Yeah. Uh, Eric Spolster asked about it pregame. Uh, you know, what do you think about his aggression of late? And he's like, good. You know, I, that's what we need from him. And so, I think everybody's on board with that idea. Uh, and Jimmy, you know, I think he was pretty good today. He wasn't like otherworldly. Okay. Shot well from three, two of five from three-point range. And that was absolutely necessary. Like Miami, he was, he was along with Kevin Love, uh, they were Miami's best three-point shooting threats. So I don't think anybody expected that at the start of the season. But there we Maybe are. Maybe that should have been the lead is like when Jimmy Butler is your best three-point shooter on a night, you probably don't have a great chance of winning that game. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Statistically, it was Kevin, Kevin, but yeah. still, you know, either way, uh, you don't want to rely too much on Jimmy's three-point shooting to save you. But uh, yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's that's the nature of every team. Like you have stars and then everybody kind of figures out their role. So I, I'm glad that Jimmy's kind of carving out his. Yes. And I think it would have been a little different tonight had Tyler been there, because I think another guy who is looking to get his scoring, et cetera, uh, you know, I think he would have been a consistent scoring threat. Hopefully he would have been able to space the floor if he'd been able to hit those threes. But you also wonder, too, how he would have handled the physicality of guys like Kawhi and Paul George, who were such great defenders. Like, nobody's talking about Kawhi Leonard, or not nearly enough, but he, he was phenomenal today. He was back-breaking San Antonio Spurs-like mm. version of Kawhi Leonard, where he's just like, oh, he just pounds the ball, kind of turns his shoulder a little bit, and then let's go with that turnaround jumper. It's nothing but net. Broke away for a fast-break dunk. Like, it's mm -hmm. so good for the league, I think, to see him back and healthy, but just not good for the Heat tonight, that's for sure. Shot 50% overall, had two steals, two blocks, 25 points, led the game. He was awesome, and he's been awesome for a very long time. He should be, I think, in the MVP conversation because of the two-way play. Yeah. His numbers yeah. aren't like 30 points per game like some of these other guys, but he should be at least in the conversation uh, for whatever that's worth. But um, we'll talk, we already talked about Jaime and his struggles. What about Bam? We'll talk about him plus Joel Embiid. Does his latest injury open the door for another Miami Heat run? We'll talk about that next here on Locked on Heat. Today's episode of Locked on Heat is brought to you by LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you've got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs is the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. I know what it's like to have to find somebody to hire. You have to sort through a sea of resumes, gauge their qualifications. Is it legit? Do they sound like they could be a good fit, et cetera? LinkedIn does all the busy job work for you so they can just harness exactly the kind of candidates that you're looking for. And they've got an array of different tests so that you can fine tune the skills that you're looking for in candidates and get the right person for your job right away. Hiring is easy when you've got that many quality candidates like LinkedIn does. So easy, in fact, that 80%, 86% of your small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours a day. Can you imagine just finding the right person for your job that could put you over the next level in less than a day? That's amazing. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or the resources to find the right hire. That's why they're constantly finding ways to make that process even easier. Two and a half small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure you're subscribed on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. One more listener question before we get to the latest news regarding Joel Embiid's injury and what that means for the Eastern Conference. K-Bop writes in, 
What's happened to Bam? Hmm. That's the question. Tonight, Bam Adebayo, 5 of 13 overall shooting for 14 points. Did have 13 rebounds, did have three assists, did have three steals. Yeah. Um, but overall, it's been a rough week and a half, couple weeks for Bam Adebayo. I know that it's, it's something that you and I have talked about uh, before, whether or not maybe the injury, the hip injury from earlier in the season is still lingering. I think it's a yep. fair question, and I think it's fair to wonder what's going on with him in terms of the shooting percentages overall, because that to me is the most alarming part of it. Defensively, he's still what he is um, and has been for most of the season, but the shooting percentages, those have been rough lately, David. He just he lacks like touch around the basket in a way yeah. that he had it, uh, you know. And I I see him do the same pregame workout every time, where he's you know kind of dancing on his toes a little bit, and then. Uh, Malik Allen feeds him the ball quickly, so he just puts on a quick hook to, to you know, get these kind of touch repetitions over and over and over again. That's just his pregame routine. And then he gets into the game, and it's not like he's got a bigger body on him. And you know, sometimes he's being guarded by James Harden. And I, I thought that he would be more aggressive in trying to back him down and try to get an easier look at the hoop. He did not. And so you have to wonder whether or not is it's just like this lack of strength, perhaps because of the lingering injury or something. I don't. I don't want to go back to the old narrative of, oh, Bam lacks aggression. He's not being, uh, you know, he's not looking for a shot enough. But there were opportunities there at the rim and even near it in the painted area. And he just wasn't as explosive nor willing to capitalize on those opportunities. So it was a combination of just bad looks overall for Bam and uh, not a good night for him. Uh, defensively, as you said, I think he was phenomenal and really impactful player. And I thought he was going to start off. He, he started off the game really, really well. I think he had four trips to the line and, uh, he was able to do some nice things early on, but then as the game wore on, he just looked a little bit more and more phased uh, and just didn't seem like he was really as healthy or explosive as we're accustomed to seeing from Bam and Bio. In the month of January, he's shooting 15% from those foul That's line jumpers from the mid-range, from the mid-range. That was the bread and butter. That was the offense for Bam and Bio because of certain matchups and because of the way Miami's offense was sort of structured, especially with Kyle Lowry. He wasn't into the rim all the time. This is not a guy who's just dunking and dunking and dunking. He's not a seven-footer. He's not a guy who's able to get into the restricted area and just plop the ball into the basket. That foul line jumper is basically what his offense subsists on. And when he's shooting 15% on those long twos, it's, like it's, just, it it's a recipe for disaster. He was shooting 40-plus percent. I think it was like 44% prior yeah. to the turn of the new year. That has now dropped to basically 32% of the season because his January was so bad. That is a bad mid-range shooter. That is a person who should not be taking mid-range shots based on those percentages. Now, you and I both know that he's probably closer to that 40 to 44% mid-range shooter than he is the 30% mid-range shooter. But still, like that's when, you, when you're talking about why he's been ineffective basically all of January offensively, it's, it's, that's the reason. That's the reason. When, yeah. you take a, when you take away the guy's bread and butter – what do you let your you're left with an empty plate? And that's basically what Bam Adebayo's offense has been. Uh, the Terry Rozier pairing has been helpful for him. I can only imagine yep. how much worse it would be because Rozier has sort of been able, it was, it was not at first, but this pick and roll stuff with him is clicking a little bit more Working, now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I actually think the, the Tyler hero, when he was healthy, him and Bam were having a nice little pick and roll chemistry over these last couple of games too. They, he needs those guys to feed him. When you were talking about how Duncan he started too. early, when you, yeah. and, ba and Duncan as well, but when you started talking about Bam and, and how you thought it was he was playing well early, a lot of that yep. was Terry Rozier feeding him the ball, right, yep. out of the pick and roll. So um, more of that, I think that they're 
tilting the offense in that direction for a reason also. And I, honestly, this might end up being good because you don't really want Bam taking a ton of foul line jumpers. You don't want that to be the bread and butter offensively. You would rather be the, the bread and butter be some of these lobs and the pick and roll stuff that Terry Rozier might be able to unlock on the offense. So going forward, more of that, less of the mid-range shots. It could have a better like overall impact, like big picture wise, but he still needs that foul line jumper to fall. And and I don't sure. know what I don't know why it hasn't been. It just might be as simple as being a shooting slump. Let's talk about Joel Embiid. Um the 76ers announced on Sunday night that Embiid is going to undergo a procedure to address a left meniscus injury in the coming days and is expected to miss an extended portion of time. ESPN reported that the door isn't closed on a return uh, for Joel Embiid this season. Obviously, we're going to get more details in these next few days after the procedure is done. Um, uh, the the guy that runs in street clothes was tweeting something about, are, are they going to remove the part of the meniscus? Are they going to repair it? And, and w- which way they go or the other will determine how long Embiid is ultimately out. There's a chance that his season is over, David. There's a chance that he could be back before the playoffs. We we just don't know. Like I said, we'll learn more in the coming days. But in your opinion, how does this injury impact the Eastern Conference as a whole? It's wide open now in a way that it wasn't. I think the Philadelphia 76ers were playing extremely well. They, they looked like they were a dangerous team. Um, they might have been even movers at the trade deadline. They might have been a team that could acquire a complimentary star or role player that might have really helped. Such a good point. Yeah, some, to cement Philadelphia's chances at being you know one of the top teams in the East and maybe even one of the top teams in the league. And they had the MVP or one of the at least one of the top five players in the league in Joel Embiid. And not just the reigning MVP, but like the MVP this year as well. His production this year might even have eclipsed what he was able to do last year. So, Oh, no doubt. And now it's wide open. Like you've got a, a Knicks team that just sh- has shown a lot of grit. And Milwaukee Bucks might work through whatever issues they have. The Orlando Magic, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers have looked uh, loomingly dangerous. Uh, and, and, you know, there's always a chance for Miami, too, to maybe figure something out and, and be able to replicate a little of the magic from last year's playoff run too. So that, I think, you know, that's, that's the bigger picture there is that unfortunately for Philadelphia, their season is hovering on the brink there because mm. you never know what can happen in their, in the, in the absence of Joel Embiid. But once they make the playoffs, they're good enough right now to get into the playoff picture, even, you know, even yeah. if they wind up losing a bunch of games, but you know, they're not going to be the same kind of level threat without Embiid out there. Yeah. They're, they're bait. <laughs> There's too many games left to say they're guaranteed even a top six spot in the East, but it would be right. really hard for them, even without Embiid, to fall out of the play-in tournament completely. Right. Um, but they're only two and a half games up uh, on Indiana for that fifth spot. They're a game behind New York. Uh, New York's the fourth seed. Philadelphia right now is the fifth seed. Uh, they're very, very much ahead of Miami right now. I don't think the Heat could catch him. But Tyrese Maxey's been awesome. He can carry that team for portions of the regular season. But yeah, if Embiid is not what he has been, or 90% right. of it, then they have no shot in the playoffs. But if he is, if he is the player that he's been for most of these this regular season, I'm not counting the 76ers out. I know that Joel Embiid has his playoff shortcomings and all these things, but I think that team is a legitimate threat in the East. I think they could beat Boston. I think they could beat Milwaukee. I don't know that they would be favorites in those series. I don't know that I would pick them in those series, but I think they could certainly beat those guys at, at full health. No doubt about it. Um, the trade deadline thing is such a great point that you brought up, though, before. If, if they're not a player at the trade deadline... And Joel Embiid is able to come back before the playoffs. Like it, they're gonna, they're gonna know. Like I guess if they in these next couple of days, and that's why these next few days are so important for them. They want to get this procedure done and get into another evaluation as soon as possible because the deadline's Thursday. And if right. they think he can, can be back by the playoffs, maybe they still do make some sort of move to put their chips in. 
but they're, you're never really going to know what Joel Embiid looks like when he comes back. So it's so interesting. Uh, at If Embiid, again, isn't what he was or something close to it, that takes one contender out of the Eastern Conference, and it just opens the door a little bit more for a team like Miami to make a run because I don't think that you can just expect the Heat to make the run that they did just because they did it last year. Right. And I think the Eastern Conference is way better now than it was last season. Boston's better. I think Milwaukee's better despite some of the stuff going on there. Cleveland's better. The Knicks are better. The Sixers are better. The Pacers are better. Like the Heat can lose to any of those teams in a playoff right. series. But if you knock one of those teams out, it just gets a little bit easier, I think, if you're a team like the Heat. Um, all right. Thanks for making Locked on Heat your first listen every day. Every dayers, make sure you tune in uh, tomorrow to hear our episode with NBA insider Matt Moore on what else the Heat might be able to do before the trade deadline. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube and follow us on your podcast app.